Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of AMRAs and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Talkbuster podcast. The show on the internet about blockbuster video and video stores and thinking back on the days of yesteryear when stuff was simpler. As always, I am the Chippa, Chris Chipman. And before I get into today's guest, I want to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, QK Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, and Collaborating Online. I'd also like to thank my newest patron, Sean Zoltek. All of you, while I do do this for free, um, you know, jump on over to the patron and pa- Patreon and uh, help me keep this thing going. You give me an incentive to do this rather than spending more time on my day job, which makes me happy. So I appreciate the time. Um, and again, especially in the stuff we're going through right now, if you're unable to support, I fully understand it. I only want people helping out that have the extra money and think they want to throw it towards someone. Um, This is in no way uh, something that you are committed to having to do all the time. So just a reminder of that. Um, This show, like a lot of shows, is brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week hosts Alex and uh, Axel. Alex, wow, here we go. Axel and Elric provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-forgotten movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. And with that, today's guest is someone who has been very enthusiastic about my show, and we've met through mutual contacts and mutual blockbuster fan groups, and I will love him to introduce himself to the world. Good sir, tell everyone who you are. Hi, I'm Stefan, and I'm a, a lifelong Minnesotan, and just a really a big fan of uh, video stores in general, uh, and we'll kind of get into the history of that in a second very excited to do this oh yeah dude it's it's always it's good that this show allowed me to tap into finding so many people who are enthusiastic about this and even though we were all from different parts of the country different parts of the world have a very similar experience doesn't even have to be that we like the same type of movies it's just that the medium and the whole culture and world surrounding it particularly in that 
you know, growing up in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands and working at a video store in that time frame, it was just so unique and weird and such a hard thing for people right now that didn't really grow up with it to understand. It's like, well, I like to be able to just click on it and watch it. It's like, Oh yeah, that's fine. But there was something very different. So Minnesota, hey, good, good talking to you. Wow. I'm not sure that's a state I've heard from yet on this, which is awesome. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, it's always the, the coasts get most of the attention, I feel like. Well, no, it makes it even more interesting because, you know, especially being here, you know, I I didn't travel much growing up um, to the to the other parts of the country. I and mean, we stayed along the coast. So it, it's great to hear, you know, you get someone in Minnesota, Michigan, Iowa, Idaho, uh, you know, any of these places where it's like, oh, no, the, we, we were busy as hell on a Friday night as well. And it's like, oh, that that's great to hear that it wasn't just you know, the big cities and everything else in the, the coasts, as it were. Definitely. So, uh, you know, before we get deep into it, you know, why, why Blockbuster or why video stores? What, um, what was your uh, first inclination that you, um, you know, what can you think of that, like, brings you back to those memories? Yeah, I mean, um, I was really, uh, so one of your past guests kind of mentioned how they, you know, would just love like just the, the cover art, the old yes. VHS cover art, especially that was what really made me a horror fan was just as a kid. And I was like, you know, maybe eight years old. I was really young. I would just look at it. Just, I'm like being mesmerized by this and just like, Oh, yeah. oh my God, it's amazing. And like the horror section, you know, especially in video stores that weren't blockbuster, the horror section was something they didn't bother covering up. Like, you know, you'd have either like the, the soft core adult films would either get a black thing over them or they'd be in another room, right? So you'd get the, this was like, oh, I shouldn't be looking at this. Like there's a there's a guy on the cover with a chainsaw and, you know, there's, a, and it's like, yeah. And they always put it near the video games. So it's like, it's guaranteed yeah. kids were going to be looking at it. It was very intentional. And I like how you say that, Chris, uh, that video stores that were not Blockbuster, I know that, you know, this is Blockbuster-centric, of course. That was one thing I got to say that I did not like about Blockbuster. I felt like that their back catalog, especially in horror, was lacking kind of the, like, the indie mon-pa type stores, at least where I was from, had a much bigger selection in that regard. Blockbuster was king when it came to new releases don't get me wrong oh absolutely and, and it was crazy because you would actually um be able to manipulate your back catalog if you were careful enough um so we would do a lot of things where as employees would be like well i'm really into like old trauma movies or i'm really into like kaiju like you know godzilla films and it's like well we don't really have those here well special order a couple of them and then the store thing will be like, oh, people here like that. And you'll end up getting like a random Godzilla favorite or a random, you know, um, Takashi Miike movie. And, the, and it'd be like, wait a minute, what? Like, did we really do that? And it's like, oh, yeah, they they would watch the demographic of what's sold and you'd get like backfill. But you're right. If, if a blockbuster wasn't in an area where they like scooped up a mom and pop and just inherited their back catalog, it was always very lacking. Absolutely. Um, and we, you know, we got lucky enough sometimes. Like my blockbuster had uh, had an old copy 
of the original Wicker Man. And it was like the unrated, You've you know, when it got banned in a bunch of places. And it's like, we fought so hard to make sure that that always, it was like treated like, you know, a treasure. <laughs> like, right. if we recommended it to people, we'd like, you know, have a, a process and be like, well, make sure they're not someone that's going to steal it. Right. <laughs> you know? Like what Scarecrow video does kind of. Yeah. Exactly. For there. I was okay. You said I was in Seattle. Uh, it was about three years ago and I didn't know about Scarecrow video back then. And I just, I'll uh, kick myself for not going. I would totally have gone. Oh yeah. I have to go there so bad. Yeah. That, that was one of my, best my favorite finds so far doing mm-hmm. this someone was like you got to talk to the people from scarecrow and i'm like what is that <laughs> right in it, i used to live so i um i i, I live in uh, uh just outside of saint paul i used to live in minneapolis and like just outside of minneapolis uh not far from where i used to live there was or there is uh, a place called Video Universe. I feel like that's they're another group of people you should talk to. They're like a smaller version of Scarecrow. Oh, now, can't wait. Yeah, it, it's not. They're not a for. They're they're not nonprofit. I've pitched to them the idea of doing a becoming nonprofit, and I actually have because my my education and uh, professional experience is in a. a political activism with an emphasis oh, awesome. on nonprofits. So I, I know how to like write grants. So that would be something, I mean, I would hypothetically love to take over. I don't mean to sound presumptuous, but I would love to aim that combine my two, you know, biggest passions. Oh yeah, dude, if you can, if you can make it happen, right. That, yeah, that's like, that's the dream right there. Right. It's like, okay, this is what I'm, what I'm schooled in and what I do for a living. And also I can preserve something that means so much to me. Like if I could only find a way for government defense contracting to have anything to do with video stores, I'd be able to do the same. Yeah. They, they have on their website. Now they have 50,000 movies. Oh, wow. That that's crazy. Good. No, they're, they're really big. That's nearing half the size of scarecrow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I've never been. I've never been inside, and I kind of regret not going. Um, yeah. So, so that so where you're from? Since I, you know, I, I of course since growing up, been to other parts of the country. I haven't been to Minnesota yet, but I've been, you know, nearby. Like, give me an idea. So, I'm assuming we're roughly around the same age. I was born in the '80s. So, yeah, me too. Okay. So, um, like, what was it? You know. How how many video stores are around? I, before Blockbuster, where I was, there was like a video because I grew up, I, I live and grew up in a very urban, you know, city type area. So we'd have our main video stores. You know, we had like Video Craze and Atlas Video, which were bigger mom and pops, right? But then every street corner would have like a Cambodian video store or a um, Asian video store or this or that in, in Indian. We had a Bollywood store on one of the, you know what I mean? So we, there was all of this stuff too. And everything disappeared when yeah. Blockbuster came around. But um, what was your experience similar or was it more like, Oh no, there was just like that one hub type place. Yeah. I mean, we had, it seemed like we, there was one, there were at least you know, there was at least there was like one in every neighborhood. It seemed like in right. 
Duluth, uh, we had well the 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 big the chain in the Duluth the Duluth Superior area. It's Duluth, Minnesota, then Superior, Wisconsin, across the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the local chain, uh, and there's still one store left over in Superior, is called a uh, Video Vision, and it has the same. It it uh, they started two years before Blockbuster actually, and they have the exact same color scheme of the blue and gold. The the the, the gold is a little more yellow, but it's pretty much the same. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure if that came after Blockbuster came about. I'm not sure about that. I should ask um, because I've met the owner, and I know, and I've interacted a little bit with uh, the the manager at the Superior Store, Amy. She's been there. She's been there uh, since 1985. No joke. Wow. Yeah. It's. I, I think it's like the only. I think it's the only job she's ever had um, since graduating high school. That's so cool. Yeah. Have um have driving there's some driving theaters been able to succeed still around you? Uh we have uh well there's one by where I live in St. Paul, and that's like uh so it's like twenty minutes from where I live, and I'm hoping they're gonna open back up on the first. Uh, I mean, there, there's, you, you read about, you know, how drive-ins are, you know, they have a perfect opportunity for resurgence right now with everything going on because you can social distance in your car. Right. I wish, I wish growing up that someone had told me that drive-ins were still around. I didn't find out drive-ins existed until I owned a car still. And, and it's a bummer because I just assumed because all the stories you hear from, you know, your family is. Oh yeah, me and your father saw that movie in a drive-in that used to be down, you know, on the beach mm-hmm. over on the Linway. And it's like, man, everyone always says these places used to be around. But all of my favorite, you know, a lot of movies in the 80s, especially late 80s, early 90s, focused around, you know, Midwestern United States. And these kids were still going to drive-in theaters. So it's like, oh, yeah. then that must be where they all still are. And then when I found mm-hmm. out that there were some within like 40 miles of my house that still operate. I was so happy. And now we go to them all the time. Yeah. yeah. And the, we didn't have any, um, by where I grew up, they're all like in the kind of the, the, the kind of corner pockets of the state or else there's like two in the twin cities Metro. When I say the twin cities, I mean, Minneapolis and St. Paul. I don't know if you've, yep. Yep. So, I, okay, I great. Great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I had never been to a drive-in until, uh, two years ago. Oh, yeah, almost two years ago, my uh, friend slash roommate, it was actually where we met, and um, it was her birthday, and she kind of, we were a part of like a similar uh, Facebook group. Um, so the the uh, the episode, the Scary Sisters, that podcast that I sent you when yep. I do the episode on Hell House LLC, we met through their Facebook fan page. Oh, so and cool. She, yeah, and she like invited me to her birthday. I'm like, okay, so you know, cool. Never been to a drive-in. And we just hit it off so fast. And we, you know, we're living together now. And it's it's great how it worked out, you know. Oh, that that's fantastic. It is. It's great, you know, the fandom of things and how people meet. And we'll we'll get back to Hell House LLC. Oh, I told you we're gonna talk about that. Yeah. So other um other movie rental stores in Duluth, there was well, the big the big kind of cult store that's no longer around. It was called Eighth Street Video. They were not far 
well, there's there's um, still one left, but I think they've mostly phased out their rentals. Um, the original was well. The original was in a different location. They moved. They were actually not on the the location they had for years was not on Eighth Street. Actually, it's kind of a funny story, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just you know, keep the branding. But um, the owner, the owner, his name was Steve. He's like, if you anybody grew up in the central hillside area of Duluth in the eighties and nineties. You know, if you mention yeah, H Street Video and Steve, he was like, uh, he was like, I think I would have been like him if I would have been born earlier, and I'd be doing this job. He was so like the epitome of what, the epitome of what you know. You hear politicians go on and on, you know, about how small business owners make our country, and a lot of it is yep. you know, you know, BS. But he was he was an example of that of that he was so passionate he would remember people's names like nobody i've ever known he was just so just like he he loved he loved his job and then i think he and my we stopped going there after a bit i think he and my mom might have had a falling out my sister claimed he accused my mom of breaking a tape so kind of soured that i don't really know the full details but um yeah, and then he sold it to uh, somebody else because he moved across the bridge to Superior. His dad was ill. And then after his dad died, he opened up another store kind of on the edge of Superior that has since gone out of business. And I don't know what he is doing these days. I read his his mom passed away a few years ago, and that's all I've known about him uh-huh. since. Uh, but yeah, he was just an amazing... like the kind of person that, you know, needs to be doing this. And, uh, we also, also in Duluth, we had, um, uh, there was a Midwest chain. Have you, you've, have you ever heard of Mr. Movies? Yep. Yes, I have. Oh yeah. It's the first time it's been brought up on here though, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. There were several of them in Duluth. Um, you know, they were, they were pretty, pretty great. Uh, I think there's, there's still one left, I think in like Iowa. um, but uh yeah and then the the video store where i kind of you know got inundated with the horror section was the um it was inside cub foods you know how a lot of supermarkets had that so you could do one done yeah they had this and they had the one of the best them them and uh have you ever heard of premiere video they were a chain no okay i think they were out of texas they (laughs) They maybe went national for a little bit, and there was one in uh, Duluth. They they didn't last really long, maybe not beyond like two years, but they had a massive horror section. Like it was huge, like huge, and just like amazing titles. And uh, yeah, and then there was so we had Blockbuster on the main kind of drag down the center of the city. We had them. And, you know, I mean, we we went, we had a membership. We went, you know, a bit. It was mainly Cub oh, Foods and Video Vision. Marrow Mist movies. I mean, we had memberships like everywhere. Of course. And yeah, uh, I yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think my parents ever had a Blockbuster card. I don't remember seeing that. I mean, I remember seeing them have it, but I remember seeing other people have them. Uh you should you should watch uh 
there's a series on YouTube called Kids React To. Uh-huh. One episode. It's from like 2016. There's one episode with Blockbuster Video. It's hilarious. Oh, I've seen that. They they'll play like um <laughs> they'll play like old music. Yeah, the commercials and, like, and there's like the, oh. <laughs> like why, why why do you think you would need a card to rent you know a movie she's like i don't know the old days were weird and i'm like excuse me <laughs> i think that's the same show where they they like gave the kids a rotary phone and tried to get them to use it and they couldn't figure yeah. it out my parents still have a working rotary phone <laughs> that's awesome you might hear it go off actually <laughs> nothing wrong with that man i'll recognize that a mile away yeah, yeah. I, I think the blockbuster in Bend might still use a rotary phone. Um, Does that surprise me? Just for fun. <laughs> yeah, so I. Um, what were you saying? I was gonna say you. Uh, you hit me with um, a memory there, talking about horror movie cover boxes. And do, do any of them pop into your head? Like as soon as you yes. mention the word horror section, like. Because I, I, I just get hit with a deluge of visions. I was wondering if you did too. Yes. April Fool's Day. Oh, yes. Yes, that cover art. And my my uh, roommate and friend, uh, Jesse, she, yeah, she, like, the, she feels the same way. The, the cover art to that movie, I mean, the movie's pretty memorable as is, but the cover art's maybe more memorable than the movie or just as much. Those are my favorite things. Like, movies... Not only would the cover art be incredible, but they would also go into weird, like, um, original NES Nintendo box land where, like, you'd have the cover would have nothing to do with the movie. Right. Or, like, and, and I like how, like, newer cheesy films are still doing that. Like, I love how the cover art for Velocipaster, even though you know what you're getting into with that movie just from the title, is showing you a completely different movie than what they deliver. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, the one that always struck me, and there's a lot of them that struck me, but this one, because it, you know, they were graphic, but it was the kind of graphic that would like hit a kid, like, because you can walk down a cover wall and see, you know, a bunch of like skulls or whatever and, and everything just, you know, it all just kind of muddles together. But something about Dead Alive, when Dead Alive was released, uh-huh. local audio, yeah. had a poster of it. And it was the that that skull eyes with the woman's face. It was just yeah. something about that has always struck me. Like that scared the shit out of me. And and I grew up and realized that oh no, that movie is also hilarious. And it just yeah. I always avoid it for so long. I remember that when it was playing in theaters, seeing that cover art. Um, yeah, I remember that. But there were so many great ones. All the child's play movies had great uh-huh. cover artwork. Yeah. Um, and, and it, I, we really, horror should really bring back, someone was saying this on a Stephen King podcast I listened to recently as well, that Stephen King's books used to have that very iconic, drawn, like Drew Struzan style cover yes. artwork. And I loved when horror movies had that. And it's fine if everything else moves into the more, you know, normalized, but there's just something about horror having that. It made it feel wrong. Like there was something otherworldly and not yeah. right there. The epitome of that was the uh, illustrations for scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh God. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That, so that illustrator lives, he lives in St. Paul. 
but he's kind of a recluse, has not yeah. given any interviews in years. And oh my, like he has a studio somewhere. I just want to meet him and just shake his hand. <laughs> oh yeah, sh- shake it and just like thank him for yes all of the missed sleep. Yeah, I uh, I I actually really dug the movie they made out of that, but mostly I thought the imagery so per- perfect. Like mm-hmm. it, it was just not right. Like I'm like it's one of those things where nothing really all that horrifying had to be happening. I'm just like, don't show me that. I don't want to see that in yeah. real reality. <laughs> like, no, I can't deal with this right now. They're making another one. Yeah, I heard that. Um, oh yeah, major major horror movie news. I don't know if you saw. Uh, David Arquette has signed on for Scream Five. I did see that. That's oh, exciting. God, I screamed. I. Uh, my roommate and I met him last summer. Oh, cool. if, you, if you go back on my Facebook page, uh, one of my cover or one of my profile pictures, if you go back there, it's me like stabbing him in the back, like in the first one. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's so, he was so cool. He was so cool. And I, I was the last person in line deliberately because I want to talk to him, <laughs> you know, without anyone breathing down my neck. And I'm just like, Please do scream, you know, do scream five, you know, it's like, do it. There's talk, you know, talk, you know, you've probably heard there's some talks of it happening. Just do it, please. You know, it would honor Wes and just all this. He's like, yeah, yeah, I I agree. And he seemed really open then. So I'm like, I like to think I, you know, helped push him along a little bit. Oh, (laughs) that would be awesome. Have have they said he was making it yet? It is the directors of Ready or Not. What? Right, which you've seen that, right? Have you? Oh yeah, no, I'm learning this live right now because because I yeah. I saw the Scream Five thing and was afraid to find out who they said was making it because I'd be too afraid that I'd be like it would make me not excited about it anymore. Right. Holy shit. Yes. Um. Well, and they did one of the. Uh, have you seen a VHS? <laughs> seen own watched multiple times yeah yeah they they did one of the one of the snippets yeah yeah vhs i think is that's probably one of my favorite found footage movies oh I if, say, in vhs 2 did you know that one of those segments was by the guys that did the blair witch project yeah the the zombie bike ride it's, one the zone and that like um, my, my brother goes watch like I hadn't seen VHS two yet, and he's like, "You need to sit through all of VHS two, but you need to watch this first. Don't ask me anything about it. Just watch it." And I watched it. And I was like, "All right, this is really cool. Oh, holy shit!" And I got to the end, and I go, "That is one of the cleverest things I've done seen done with this whole found footage thing." And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "And the Blair Witch Project guys did it." And I'm like, "Wow!" So they've still they've still got something to add, man. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I agree. They, they also so those directors um, that did Ready or Not, they did uh, ten thirty one ninety eight on VHS. Yep. 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 So they did that one. Yeah, that the whole. I just I I love just the the format of that. I just think it's so cool. Even the even like the lesser ones I thought were good. Don't if you if you haven't seen VHS Viral, don't watch it. It's not that good. No, I have. And 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 I I it's one of those things where I have it just cuz I'm a completionist and there's same. There's individual things in it that are really cool. Oh yeah. But it doesn't it 
doesn't culminate to anything. It was just yeah. like, oh, this was a missed opportunity. Yeah. So since you mentioned uh, the Wicker Man and you know you mm-hmm. your love for that movie and taking that, you know, uh, I hope you you you've seen Midsummer <laughs> multiple times. Owning. Yeah, yeah, I saw it twice in theaters and actually have I brought it up. Uh, my I got my mom to watch it, which kind of surprised me, and. Uh, yeah, I want one of my best friends to watch it too. It's just, I yeah, I, that was one of my most anticipated movies of 2019. Um, it's definitely one of those movies where, like, you know, the it's pretty clear from the get go, like what's going to happen, you know. But but you're so drawn into like seeing how it's executed and the imagery behind it. It's just incredible. Yeah, it, it like you said, it didn't. Story-wise, no wheels reinvented. Um, but that's what I like about Ari Aster so far is that mm-hmm. he's, he's able to put a personal stamp on an existing trope and a genre. He did the same thing with um, Hereditary where I'm like, I think I know where this is going. And then I stopped caring about where it was going. It was just like, whatever ride this guy is about to take me on, I have no, uh, nothing is safe here. Right. We just we just lopped off a little kid's head a half an hour into this movie. I have no idea what's going on. Like, it's just, and then when it culminates to, oh yeah, by the way, I'm just making one of those like 1970s devil worship horror movies. Here you go. Oh, all right, cool. Like, I'm fully on board now. Let's do this. <laughs> um, yeah. Ty West. Ty West does similar stuff. Um, particularly House of the Devil. It's one of those things where you go, this is obvious yeah. where this from frame one. And I'm so happy to go along with the ride on this one. I loved, yeah, I loved House of the Devil. I'm, I'm trying to get my roommate to watch it. And for some reason, we have not yet. Or she has not. It's, yeah. It's one of those things where wouldn't it have been great to have been working at a video store during this horror resurgence? Like, mm-hmm. because so much is making it out into the mainstream that would have been, you know, the unrated stuff that would have gone right to video that Blockbuster probably wouldn't have carried. And now, like, like imagine being around for, like, Get Out coming out for rental, right? Yeah. That would have been such a cool thing, like a conversation just to have with people. Yeah. You know, this is important. You should watch this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the con- you mentioned the conversations. You know, that was kind of what, you know, even though, like I said, I never, I never worked at a video store, I, you oh. know, I definitely did, uh, like have a, you know, a rapport with the people who did and be like, Oh, this, you know, this is good. And, you know, give them recommendations and whatnot for them too. And yeah. So basically, you know, I, it wasn't, it wasn't for lack of trying. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I, uh, I, I first applied, I wanted to apply at Blockbuster, but I was too young. I was like 16, I think. So couldn't do that, unfortunately. And then when I turned 18, I, you know, they, the problem, okay, the problem at least with video vision, and I'm sure this is, you know, common with video stores is that, you know, they did less business in the summer when I would have been off school, you know, and they're like, we don't need as many people in the summer. So yeah. Uh, so I wasn't able to do that because I was leaving for college and then I ended up coming back and I think, I don't know if I filled out an application, but uh, yeah, and I never, I never got 
either way, I never got called. And the person who was, oh my God, the person who was, feel free to edit this out, by the way, I'm going to kind of trash talk somebody. (laughs) The, uh, the person who was, or, or, or don't, you know? Yeah. The, the person who did get a job was like this guy that I just like, like just really didn't like. We grew up together and he just had like this, uh, he was one of those like, shit-eating grin type people that you just know are an asshole. You don't even have to talk to them. And he was. He was a complete asshole. Oh, no, asshole. I got you. I, I, yeah, that I, very I, well. I, I hope he listens to this. That's how much I hate him. <laughs> but You uh, know what? Knowing people like that, I have a vision in my head. I hope he listens to it, too. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you, like, his Facebook profile, and you can, you can be the judge <laughs> of that. Um, but, yeah, and so... You know, I kind of, at that point, it just, the interest kind of waned off. But, you know, still, like, I, you know, the, there were, uh, Tim was the main one at the uh, video vision I would go to. And yeah, he, he was great, you know, and he, you know, we talk about movies all the time, compare. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so three years ago, I abruptly lost my job. And I kind of on a whim applied at family video. We have some of those left. And I, lo- I love how Sandy brought that up last week. Yep. And I, I, Sandy, if you're listening to this, love you, but it's not family home video. It's just family video. And, <laughs> uh, and actually um, with well, her, I, mean, I was going to be, be fair. Family home video was a thing. Um, it wasn't a video store. It was uh, uh, you, you might remember this family home video used to release those really cheap VHSs that like Burger King would give out. So like I have an old Ninja Turtles tape that had the FHV family home video logo on it. So I'll give her the benefit. I remember that. I'm pretty sure I remember that they were, they were released around the time of the, um, uh, the live action movie, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I had one of those. I do. I do remember that. Um, Oh my God, that no Ninja Turtles movie will ever beat that live action movie. It was incredible. And you can tell, you know, it's a sign that we lost Jim Henson way too early uh, because, you know, you could tell as the series went on how much it declined without his involvement. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, like, you know, well, what is this? Uh, my, my friend the other day, my friend and former roommate, mentioned we were just talking about this and he mentioned there was like a, a ninja turtles and batman crossover that was really good i'm like well that i don't yep. think that's live action it's not live it's action not, Richard. no it's an animated movie yeah. it's great yeah but yeah live action i mean it's just oh that oh man that original is just so good so good you know what uh, i thought was really cool have, have you have you seen shazam you mean you mean kazam Right. No, Shazam. Oh, duh, duh, yeah, duh, yes, yes, I have. So, so I found it really cool that when they, because the director of that has made a couple horror movies. That's uh-huh. all he made before he made Shazam. And they seem to be finding all of these, this great untapped potential in horror movie directors to make superhero films, which I think is great. Yeah. But Shazam... When, when they said, you know, what's the tone you're going for with the movie? And he said, well, remember those like late 80s, early 90s, New Line movies? People are like, yeah, like Ninja Turtles. He goes, exactly like that. And when I went and saw Shazam, 
Not only did he do that, but they brought the damn New Line logo back for the beginning of it, even though New Line isn't a thing anymore, just to make sure you knew that was the tone they were going for. And I thought that was so cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I saw it on the uh, plane when I came back from the Netherlands this year. And yeah, I, I I'm amazed I didn't like remember that or yeah, that's interesting. Well, because what I loved about that movie is that it what it had that same this is dark and unsafe even though it's tonally okay for a kid. It, yeah. it had that like Amblin like Goonies kind of thing where it's like no the villains can do villainous things and people can die and get hurt. Yeah, you know. And I was like, oh, all right, crap, that's what we're doing. Okay, <laughs> that that's a good compare. That is what I love. I always have a soft spot for like 80s and 90s movies, kids movies. And I think you summed it up very well right there. And I think it really, and I, I allude to this on the, um, the podcast episode I did for uh, Diva Dailies. Did you, did you listen to that yet? Those are all queued up, dude. Um, okay. Please, I, yeah. I wasn't sure. No. So, so I made a decision last night. It's like, I got them both and I'm like, do I want to listen to these before I have them on as a guest or do I want to have you as a, I, I just was afraid that I'd repeat questions that okay. I didn't want to have that like stuck in my head. So it's like, I want to like, I love going into talking to people cold. Right. And then, and then having that to be like, cool. Now I get to hang out with Stefan some more. You know what I mean? That That's how I like doing it. That's great. Well, the health house LLC one, I'm actually not on. That's just oh, I'll uh, be to that too. Yeah, th- yeah, that's that's um, yeah, that's just one you a good companion. That yeah, because I, I loved. Oh man, yeah, w- w- we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a bit. That's a whole show oh, in and of itself. Um, yeah, so I uh, uh kind of going back to yeah, and I, like I said, so f- uh, family video. Um, uh, to answer Sandy's questions, they're very um they're pretty casual and individualized and it's not, they're not like, despite being called family video, they're not like as conservative as blockbuster is my understanding. I mean, like people are allowed to like wear their own clothes. Yeah. They don't have like a uniform or anything like that. That would be fun, man. Yeah. You know, especially if they were like, to design their own shirt. Imagine if did, that would be really cool. Yeah. And I, um, I, did not I got a call to interview with them, but I had gotten a um offer for a job in my field uh to help out a friend of mine with something. So it didn't happen. But you know, I'm working a job I love right now and it's um it's kind of at the uh it's gonna go like till like through most of 2020, most likely. But uh and I'm gonna be at a good point financially. So I'm thinking, you know, if I don't find something right away, I might, you know, do a whim with family video, just, you know, fulfill a life dream. Oh yeah, dude, you, you won't regret it. Uh, yeah. I can, I can only imagine. I think everybody should get to have that experience. And, and the thing is, you know, you, you tapped on it. Even being a customer, there was something blockbuster had a carryover of, and, and I know that this still happens, but you know, when I was a kid, um, there'd be like, you'd go down to like the local one room video store and they would have an arcade machine there. They'd have like some way to like get people to come because they wanted you to come and hang out because the longer you hung out, the more sodas and candy you bought and then you ended up leaving with a movie. And Blockbuster had a carryover of that, like the one room video store comic shop vibe where it's like, 
even though the company wanted to be more like a McDonald's that sold tapes and they wanted you to move in and out like crazy. It was more of a camaraderie. When I wasn't an employee there, I went in and just talked to people, you yeah. know, and I'm sure that after a while, you know, when, when enough people did that, it got, you know, annoying on a busy Friday night, but in the middle of a day on like a Friday when there's nobody there, it's like, you get to talk to your buddies about movies and go walk the wall. And then we'd end up right. being a part of the fun. It's like, Oh no, this, this guy over here, he knows a ton about that genre you're talking about. Yeah. Ask him. It's like, all of a sudden you feel like you worked there and it was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did you, you ever heard of a video update? No. Okay. Yeah. They were a chain. Um, they were, they didn't last very long. There was one, we had one in Duluth. They opened up right across the street from Blockbuster, try to compete and they didn't last long. I heard they were bought up by a movie gallery, Hollywood video Duluth. We got a Hollywood video pretty, pretty late. It seemed like maybe like 2003, something like that. Yeah. And they opened up kind of in the Western part of the city, which is uh, further. It, (laughs) If you talk to anybody from Duluth, there's an east-west divide. And um, so I didn't really go there much. I think I went in there like twice. And, I mean, they seemed fine from what I remember. They had a, they had a bigger – they definitely had a bigger, like, you know, back catalog for titles than yeah. Blockbuster. Hollywood definitely did. Hollywood video I actually really liked. Um, uh-huh. they, they couldn't hold the candle to the to just the amount of new releases that we got. but. I, I liked those stores because, like you said, they, they they seemed a little bit more customized to where they were, I guess would be the thing. Like they seemed to understand their customer base a little bit and try to try to inject a bit more of like a this is what we think people want rather than um you know just pushing one type of product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what do you think? You probably have you know seen videos and articles with like what happened with blockbuster kind of like why they you know failed and it was beyond just you know streaming and red box uh it it, it's so many things i just corporate management yeah there there's a there's a documentary right now um which i haven't watched yet but it's on i think it's on netflix it's either on netflix or amazon and it's about netflix and i've heard from people fairly high up in blockbuster from when it was a big thing, like, like way up at the top that they said that if you want to see something that's as close to what their read on what went down was that documentary gets it pretty right. But I I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't heard of that. I'm kind of surprised. I have not, uh, I forget what it's called, but I, it's on my, like watch list of stuff to sit down and go okay. through. Cause I'll probably just do a whole episode talking about it just yeah. by myself or something. <laughs> but, uh, let me, uh, let me know, uh, let me know what that's, uh, what that's called. Yeah. yeah. Cause, and, and I mean, you know, it's weird, right? Because you get, you get people who had all different reads that were at various different levels. I mean that, um, that remembering blue and gold Facebook page that, that mm-hmm. I'm also on, is run by a guy that used to work right up the top with Jim Keys, right? And and that that Facebook page kind of started as like a tongue in cheek thing as Blockbuster was dying, you know. Yeah. It was a, let me start a place for the employees to kind of give it a good send off. Yeah. 
And a lot of people higher up thought that that was kind of mean spirited, but it's like, look, it's still around. And, and now all these people are still having such good conversations, right. you know, because of the fact that the guy started that thing. But yeah, even that there's disagreement within the, the people that were there during that time. And then I've, I've had side conversations with, with other people that were in management at the very end. And I, it, it's a whole number of things, right? Like I think Blockbuster is a company. Um, it, 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 it's coupled with them being the more conservative type of company that they were, but you can't throw it all on that because Nintendo kind of follows that same principle, right? Nintendo's the very, well, we don't really dive headfirst into anything new until we test the waters and see how it works everywhere else. And they've managed to not die, even though there's been a few times where it's been really close because of that, um, that intuition, you know, I mean, the, the N64 and Sony PlayStation ended up existing because Nintendo foresaw that CDs would be so hard to copy, so DVDs, sorry, would be so easy to copy that they didn't want the piracy. So they right. went the way of cartridge, you know, and, and I think there were some, a lot of decisions happening within Blockbuster that did that. It's just like, okay, we might see the writing on the wall, the video rental isn't going to be around for long. So we're going to try to rebrand the store as an entertainment store and have like TVs and Blu-ray players and push the purchase sales stuff more. But then your bigger brick and mortar stores like Walmarts and targets were taken down the specialty stores. So maybe there was an opportunity for, for blockbuster to go, okay, let's try to tap into the streaming side of it and the rent from home. But Maybe our buildings need to not be sole standalone video stores anymore. Maybe they need to be subsidiaries within another business that's already doing well. Yeah. And I know we tried to do a little bit of that. I had heard that there were maybe Walmarts that had blockbusters in them at one point, like little trial stores that didn't quite do it. But it, I think it's a whole number of things. And I don't think it's, it's any one per person's stubbornness or mistake that failed. But God, that Netflix story is a is a fun one to always think about. That they could have been the same company, right? I remember they Blockbuster had pitched to do this, uh, um, like like Blockbuster Block Party or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah rock the block. That. Rock the block. Rock the block. That's right. Yeah. You know. Which sounds like it would have been a lot of fun. You know. I was yeah, thought, what there if there were trial yeah. stores. Like, I guess they were like seven elevens that were also blockbusters was like the uh -huh. idea, mm -hmm. which is a cool concept. I mean, you're, you're never going to not make money with a seven eleven, right? You yeah. franchise those, you're just like, there's no more neighborhood convenience stores. They're all seven elevens. So of course, like that's just where people are going to go. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have seven elevens in Minnesota. It's sad. We didn't have them around here until like so until like the mid to late 90s because i remember when the simpsons used to always run 7-eleven ads and it's like oh i would love to enter that contest i wish there was a 7-eleven we had um little peach was our was our like franchise like it was everywhere in eastern massachusetts and all of them went under and became 7-elevens this tedeschi and little peach were the two that we had and now they're all 7-elevens <laughs> Yeah, but um, 
Uh, funny, I remember, but before, so Netflix seemed like such, when I worked at Blockbuster, seemed like such a non-issue to us because <laughs> they didn't have the streaming thing yet. It was the streaming thing that really started to become a game changer. And yeah. even when that just came out, it's like, well, they just have the favorite section movies. So why do we really care? But what I didn't realize is how brilliant of a, an idea for Netflix to do that was because they couldn't compete with the convenience of going to a blockbuster to take a brand new release out because people still didn't like waiting, even if it was waiting a day. Someone would always come to Blockbuster first, and then if they couldn't find the movie, then they'd rent it from Netflix. What Netflix ended up really taking the cake on was their ability to have TV shows and their ability to have mm -hmm. the favorite section stuff available immediately because Blockbuster made all of their markup off the old favorite section VHS tapes because they were long already paid off. Yeah. So that's why they were always trying to get people to rent from that section because they were making, you know, 99 bucks, you know, a, a, you know, a week, you know, off or, you know, whatever it was, they were, they were making it hand over fist because where Blockbuster really made their money was back before there was competition and back before there was competition in the video rental industry, it was could you afford to lease this VHS copy of a movie from Miramax or Paramount and then pay it off with how many times you think it's going to rent? So the mom and pop store would pay 110 bucks for a copy of Back to the Future and then rent that 20 times and make their money back. And then it was profit after that. Blockbuster, because they were owned by most of the production companies that made these movies, would get 200 copies of them for a buck a piece. Mm-hmm. And, and that so there was no contest, but on the books that cost $110. So if anyone kept it, they could charge them 110 bucks. It, it was wild. Like, and then when DVDs came out, everyone paid the same price. DVDs became commodity priced like video games. I, I was talking to, to Sandy, and she said the reason we decided to not get new video games is because the turnaround is impossible. We got to we don't have wholesale. We got to spend 60 bucks for a copy of a game on Xbox and we have to rent that 10 or 15 times to make our money back. Yeah. She said, I can go, I can go and work out a deal with, you know, target or whatever and get 20 copies of Bumblebee and, you know, pay their employee price for it, for example, and then at least do a better job of, you know, making our, our profit margin back. And it's like, that's, that's wild. Um, so it's Redbox that we were scared of. Mm-hmm. And, and this is again, I this was in like the 2006 time frame, 2005 time frame. Video store magazine would come to your house if you were a store manager. And I got it. And on the cover, it had a picture of Redbox. And it said, Is this the death of the video store? And the reason for that is people didn't have to wait. Not only did they not have to wait, they didn't even have to come near your store. They could get it at the gas station, they could get it at the market basket. And those, I think, were, were an even bigger part of it, even though they might have not had the publicity right. of Netflix in places like those, because they hit the new releases. And you could go on online and find out if they had it or not before you even got there. You could hold it without ever having to deal with a human being. Um, right. Disney. Disney was trying this thing. And I don't know how this would have worked in the world of recycling, because this was pre 
the big like plastics and everything push of the um, late 2000s, early 2010s, you know, or that started. But Disney was trying out an idea to make DVDs that erased themselves. What? Did you hear about this? I have so not heard about this. Read this video store magazine. So you'd rent a Disney movie for like 99 cents and it would be like at the checkout at um, like an AOL disc, right? So uh-huh. it's as disposable as an AOL disc. And you'd watch it, and as you watched it, it would corrupt itself. Okay. So that you could recycle it, or you could send it back. You know, it came with a postmark thing, and they'd take it back and reformat it with a new thing. But that way, they thought they'd, you know, it, it was pirate-proof, basically, or so, you know, unless you knew how to, like, you know, break the... But it, it was the idea, You, it's a one-time watch they were they were playing around with so they could have a thing like a red box but never have to worry about the return part okay that seems kind of wasteful (laughs) it's wicked wasteful right (laughs) it's kind of like (laughs) i'm just thinking do you remember there was like one one simpsons episode where like mr burns was away so the simpsons they were like watching his plays (laughs) yep Instead of the bed, the switch would like burn it. And yeah, and it I don't know why I'm thinking about that. I'm cracking up so much. Um, oh, and I was also, I hope you've seen the South Park where Randy Marsh buys a blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that is gold. Such a great. Oh yeah, that it's so great. That episode of that show and a lot of episodes of that show and Bob's Burgers is another one that I just watch and go, "Are you watching me? Like, how do they get this (laughs) stuff so right?" (laughs) I highly recommend um, if you want a good a good new animated show. If you have not seen it yet, uh, Duncanville. I've heard great things about it's, that. It's surprisingly very funny. Oh, I got to check that out. It's, yeah, there's only like 10 episodes, I think, now for the first season. And can, you can binge the whole thing, no problem. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Video Store Magazine. I remember, you know, and they, the employees were really, they would like keep that thing tight. Like, I remember one of the guys caught me reading that and he's like, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, sorry. Oh, that's that's yeah. privy information, sir. Yeah, I know. I'm like, like I'm the safe source. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and just this, the whole like culture behind it, like you mentioned. Oh, and I, I have, I was able to donate to the Kickstarter campaign for the the last blockbuster. The only yeah. one I've ever don't. The only one I've ever donated to. What happened was they were getting ready to release it last year. And uh-huh. then like they, they were getting ready to go into post-production. And then the last blockbuster became the last blockbuster in the world. Right. And they were like, well, I guess we need to do a whole bunch of new shooting. And right. so they just, they just finished um, in January, I think um, with the, they got Kevin Smith and a whole bunch of other people um, to join up. So it's been yeah. a wild ride, Taylor was saying, because I've been I've been following it the same way. Because I, uh, I just think it's a it's a crazy story, and, and you know, 
it's going to be so cool to finally see it. It was supposed to premiere last week um, in Bend. Right. And then the COVID thing pushed that forward to July. And who knows if it's even going to happen in July. So, yeah. Did, so, um, did you finally see uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Yes. 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 Uh, and I actually, was it great? I, it was. And actually, that's where my Redbox thing was going is I loved, I loved the little joke with RST video now being the, uh, the fried chicken slash weed dispensary place. Having yeah, a little red box right The red the box, right. yeah, yeah, yep. I know. That, it's like a force, well, yeah. Do you know that um that enti- because they filmed the movie in New Orleans, that that quick stop set was entirely a set built in New Orleans? I did not. For, for the reboot, yeah, he's like, he goes, I, I watched all the production diaries, and he was like, yeah, he goes, this is the old, this is the saddest thing about this movie, is the parts that take place in Jersey we filmed in New Orleans. He goes, I know, I know but I had to bring it back to the quick stop. Um, and so I built, I had some, it was cheaper for me to have them build it than just film in Jersey for a week. So here yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was amazed how like kind of how much heart it had that kind of surprised me. Um, yeah. I, I was not able to see it in theaters. I think like my, my roommate was, my roommate was sick or something like that. It played, it played in, I think Marcus for like just two days or something like that. And I wanted to go so bad. I should have just gone alone, but I didn't. Um, but uh, I've gotten way more comfortable seeing movies alone, especially when I had Movie Pass. And I Same would just, here. yeah, I, I would go like you know, if I was between jobs and not working, I would see a movie like almost every other night, maybe more. And this this one had to be a group one for me. That that's yeah. why I we were trying to get everyone together to see it when he brought mm-hmm. the roadshow around. And it sold out in 30 seconds. Yeah. And, and I was so bummed because I was going to buy tickets for everyone. And so I wrote to him on Twitter and he actually responded and he goes, dude, he goes, I get it. You know, a lot of people are upset. He goes, I, we've added another show, but it was at 11 PM and I have kids. And I'm just like, right. you know what? Uh, I just, it wouldn't be worth the stress. So I bought it day. It came out and that weekend had um, the whole crew. I saw it the original with on opening night at my house and we all watched it. And it was, it was an experience. And there were tears. Mm. It's a really good movie. Like, yeah, I was, I was surprised how good it was. I loved, I loved how they rectified chasing Amy. Yes. I loved that. Loved that. Oh my God. And did you know the little, the little girl, Ben Affleck's baby is Jay Muse's daughter in real life. Yep. It's so cute. Um, yeah. That I, I loved. I loved the little dig to Batman versus Superman they put in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess. Uh, what do you say? I'm. I'm not even a. Uh, what, what's Bruce Wayne's dad's name again? Oh, oh God, I forget. Yeah, why am I facing? He goes. He goes. I'm barely a Thomas Wayne. That's it. In fact, I'm not even a. Whatever his mom's name was. <laughs> like, that's yeah. Awesome. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was um very very surprised by how good it was. One one uh one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies. I think it's so underrated is Zack and Miri make a porno. Yeah, it's, it's so underrated. I I I really it should have it, it had such a bad release date. The Halloween weekend release date was it, it was awful. It really was, and it's it's a bummer. Like he got a bad shake 
on everything. I know, and he like didn't get work and became depressed, and it was just. And I I think it's such a good movie. Like the the part. Oh my god! Like that one scene. The the I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I have never heard. I've never been in a theater that laughed that hard. Oh yeah. Like it was like, it was like a roll. Like I, it felt like, like I think I felt the floor shake. Oh, that's the thing, right? Is he, like 30 seconds straight. There's movies like, like Jane Silent Bob and Jane Silent Bob reboot that you really, it's not that they're, they're not bad movies, but like they're written for you. Like they're love yeah. letters to like fans. Zach and Miri had a very universal appeal. It, it had yeah. that Chet Apatow like stamp of approval to it because he was working with all those guys. Yeah, yeah like so, Judd Apatow, like you say that. Yeah, it was great to see Smith play with in someone else's sandbox mm-hmm. and 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 have it work so well. And it was a bummer that people didn't latch onto it because, like, we got to see um, uh, Randall there, the actor playing Randall, playing a different role, and he was great. Yeah. And Jay was actually in it as a character and he was acting mm-hmm. and he was fantastic. You know, and it's just like th- this movie had so many great things in it and it had his signature, you know, it's really dirty, but there's a point and there's a heart to it all thing too. Yeah. And people just didn't latch onto it at all. It just, and, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely, it, it's following has definitely grown over the years. Um, but yeah, I agree. And then, at least on Talkbuster, I've never heard you mention a uh, red state. Ah, yes. Oh, you know why? Because very rarely do I get people on Talkbuster that are that are horror fans or the weirder stuff fans. In fact, most of my friends who are Kevin Smith fans don't like Red State or Tusk or Yoga Hosers, so I, I don't get. So I, I love Red State. Me and my brother of all people, who I run the tangent with, that he basically wrote Kevin Smith off because of Red State. He was so angry at that movie. And God. I loved it. We've mm-hmm. since, I mean, we went and saw Kevin Smith live together and he was like, all right, he still got it. He goes, I, I, I needed to be less nasty to him. But it was the whole, you know, persona he took on while he was making that movie of, you know, fuck Hollywood and fuck the critics and yeah, 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 yeah. And my brother is a critic. So he kind of felt like he was being, um, um, what was the word? Uh, like, talked down to by that condescended. movie condescended but, but it's a bummer because if my brother had made a horror movie i feel like red state would have been the same movie he would have made too but that's uh-huh. but god no i love it it's incredibly well written it's it's a lot more mature than and i'm talking from like a, a film standpoint than he usually ever goes yeah um, i just I, I dug it i thought it was great yeah no i i really liked it too um you know, another, obviously not Kevin Smith, but one movie that, you know, I loved from the get-go when a lot of people didn't, but now has finally gotten the respect it deserved. And I'm going to do, uh, I'm doing an episode for Diva Dailies on it come October, is um, uh, Jennifer's Body. Yeah, that's another one. I feel like it took, it took Karen Kusama making another couple of movies that people went, oh, right, for people to really... Um, I don't know, like, everybody just, it, it was the, well, what's her name who starred in that? Megan um, Fox. It was it was the Megan Fox problem. Like, the world was not, for some reason, there was just a tirade against her for yeah. a while. And it, and it came along with that, and, and it bled into that movie, because 
Jennifer's Body, I mean, it's a weird movie, and it's got the Diablo Cody thing, which everyone went from loving Diablo Cody to all of a sudden we hate this this hipster horror blood. It's like Diablo Cody's awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's the big deal? No, I yeah, I saw that movie opening weekend, and I like immediately knew it was something special, and I think um, it was misadvertised very much. It was uh, um. You know, it was it was advertised as being like a serious horror movie, and obviously it wasn't. And it was only advertised to boys when it's really more geared towards girls. Right. Uh, it's yeah. For Christ's sakes, and they 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 didn't uh, they didn't push it the right way at all. Right. No. They, yeah. They I, and and everybody, even like my my non horror loving friends and family, they they like it. My sister's a Diablo Cody fan. Usually doesn't like horror, but she liked it. No, and, and again, I, I guess it's good that you brought that up with Red State because it falls into a similar category. It's it's a whole bunch of people doing something that's not their normal cup of tea, and they turned it into something different than I think the advertising company knew what to do with. If Jennifer's Body came out right now, it would do great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It unfortunately came out in the time where we were, you know, I, I think as a film-watching um, community, we've done a lot of growing up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and a lot of us also go back and realize, hey, maybe in retrospect, we were a little harder on these Twilight movies than we needed to be. They're not good movies. Right. The, the, the level of attack to the people in them and everything that came from that, you know, the fact that people still can't take Robert Pattinson seriously, even though he's done nothing but good movies since those movies. Yeah. <laughs> is incredibly strange. Uh, and I think Jennifer's body got hit with that. It's like it, it, people were looking for an excuse to open up on some people and mm-hmm. they, they found some targets and, you know, it, it's the whole, Oh, it's okay to make fun of X if we do it to these people. Cause no one likes them. And it's like, Oh, you're just looking for an excuse to be a j- jerk. <laughs> is, right. is, is the way I look it. Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah, no, this is cool that you bring these up. Um, I wanted to sense I don't I don't want to go on forever, and I do want to have you back for more because I think we could talk for days, which is great. Mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on a couple of cool things. You, first, I wanted to touch on Hell House because um, yeah, I was just gonna I say we're both mutual big fans of that. But how did you uh, discover that movie? So oh, so this is cool. Um, so I got a subscription to Shutter. Um, and I think it was before Hell House got released to Shutter, uh-huh. and I I had started digging into um, you know just cool horror movies uh, that, that like friends you know recommended. And my buddy Tim said, "Holy crap! If you can find this thing, Hell House LLC, I think it's coming to Shutter next month." But I saw it at like a festival or something, like somewhere you'd gone. He goes, yeah. "You got to see it," and I sat down and watched it, and it. It's the same reaction you had. One, I knew nothing about it, so I watched it and didn't really read anything about it until after I saw it. But you know, found footage is very overdone, but I love it. It's a very saturated market. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people that won't watch found footage movies anymore, and I I can't help but be drawn to them, even if they're not good. I don't know why. It's very effective on me because it feels real. And yeah. just, I love like the, the, the lore, like the lore yeah. that they have, especially the mockumentary format. 
it it's very unsettling um yeah uh if you want a good recommendation since you love hell house llc the lost footage of leah sullivan oh yeah i've heard about this one i i just watched it last night it's definitely worth uh the rental cost on it's on prime um, oh yeah yeah, it, it definitely has some similarities. A very, yeah, there's one part that gives me like a full body chill towards the end. Um, but yeah, no, Hell House LLC, that that scene where he's like, where he, where like the guy wakes up in the middle of the night. Yep. And he yep. hides under the, um, that, that was like one of the sca- like scariest moments for me in a horror movie in years. Was that same? It's so effective. To, to the director offline about that, he said he goes. He has not been able to figure out a way. He says because that scene came about so naturally. He's like, you know, it's not like you know we planned for it to be as effective as it was. He said uh, it just worked out. Is it the acting and the the lighting and the makeup effect? You know, it all just worked so well. He said he's been unable to find a way to top that. It, it's such a freaking intense moment yeah um, i i love it uh, you know what, what i found really cool about it and i know have you heard me talk about lake mungo at all on this show a little bit you should find lake mungo is another great oh, no, I've, fact, I've seen it i've seen it oh okay i yeah. love lake mungo yeah it's it, it's another just great use of the the window of found footage you know in a cool way um but God, Hellhouse! It, it just it. Everybody seems so. Since none of them are really, you know, like crazy trained actors, it it found footage just works really well to make it feel yeah. like you're standing right there. Especially now, watching found footage now that we all have phones and we all film everything, it's yeah. so much easier to feel like you're the guy behind the camera. You know, right. when they first started coming out, it's like Blair Witch Project. It's like okay, well. I guess my nerdy friend would run off into the woods with a camera and might get killed making a fake movie. But now everybody knows what it feels like to be the person behind the lens. So we can all put ourselves in there. And, and I, I think that that it, it was just a perfect opportunity to make a movie like that. And like you said, I love the lore. I love that it, it gets got shot in a real haunted house, which means you never know whether what you're looking at is a prop or it's part of the movie. It's just, it's gold in my opinion. And I, I actually love all three of them, even yeah. though obviously it's diminishing returns on, you know, how much you can redo it. I, I love all three of the movies. Oh, I agree. I, I think can't wait, can't wait for the Abaddon tapes, same. which I hope they get to make. And I love that the third had like a satisfying conclusion. Dare I say it was even a little emotional. It was, it was satisfying and like it, I, I like that he made two movies that had complete downer endings. Yeah. And then made you think, of, it, it put you in a false sense of security of going, there's no way this one can end any way other than mm-hmm. awful. And then it ends with like the most uplifting way that story could end of like, yeah, yeah good is going to triumph over evil. And it's been here waiting to make this happen this whole time. Like, and like that's awesome. Mm hmm. Yeah, dude, I, I love stuff like that, especially growing up in an area. I don't know if there's a lot of local lore to um to your area, you know, but 
I, I know like you go to towns that have old war bases and stuff or haunted mm-hmm. areas, but I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I grew up next to Salem, right? Right. This is nothing but lore. Uh, the woods behind my house in Lynn, a pirate supposedly buried a treasure there and people have been trying to find it for 200 years. So seeing the Goonies when I was a kid, it was like, wow, it's like, uh, this is this about my town? You uh, know what I mean? So I always love stuff like that, but uh, it, it adds particularly to the found footage side of things because it makes it feel like the random conversation you can hear some coot in a local bar having could be like the key to some really deep, dark mystery. If you just, you know, like follow him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, um, I think with hell house LLC, I think I was, I read a, they had a, like a article in bloody disgusting, like top found footage That's... movies you may not have seen. And I'm like, this sounds good. And I watched it and I'm like, yeah, this is incredible. And then that's how I finally listened to the podcast that my, and the, the, the scary sisters, by the way, it's, I know, I know them. My sister and I grew up with them. They're from, they're from my hometown. Cool. So yeah, so it's cool to hear that and and had it, it's ended. It's the podcast ended and I was hoping to be a guest on it. Um, before they ended it but uh yeah and they uh, if you listen there was like a mini so they did and they touch on hell house llc2 and they did not like that one they said the green screen was too much i'm like whatever it was a news show okay right yeah, yeah. It, it didn't bother me at all oh man that's you. You've probably heard me talk about session nine too, right? Have you seen that yeah. one? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen all of it. I, I think I should rewatch it though. I liked it from what I remember. I just—it's always good to get a horror fan. Yeah, I, I, like I, I have a recommendation because I just watched it and it just came out on Shutter. Have you heard of Blood Quantum? No, Blood Quantum. And anyone listening to the show, this is a recommendation. All it is a done to death genre which we've been talking about a lot lately it's a zombie movie uh-huh. but but it is filmed and starring and made by indigenous native canadians so it's it's you know um on an indian reserve a native reservation in canada mm-hmm. is where this movie takes place and for some reason, the indigenous people of this area are immune to the zombie outbreak. So uh-huh. everyone's coming to them for help. And you'd think, okay, so this is going to be like the get out of a zombie movie. And they definitely play with social issues like that. But mm-hmm. then the whole second act of the movie just goes, and what if it was also a Peter Jackson movie? And it just goes so oh. over the top and wonderful. It is one of the best zombie movies I have ever seen. It is yeah, so I'm looking up right now. Yeah, it sounds interesting. So good. And the actors, I guess these are people that have all done local filmmaking and been involved in stuff, but because, you know, like all marginalized groups, they have to fight to, you know, get screen time or anything. They just put everybody that worked in that local industry in this movie. So they're all, you know, getting like their big screen debut in this movie and they all rock like <laughs> so good 
That sounds good. Um, yeah, I've always um, it's I because I, I like I like zombie movie and I love uh, Wreck. You've seen Wreck, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That that had that had one of the most um, effective jump scares I've ever seen in a movie. Yep. Like you knew you knew it was gonna like something was gonna happen. I was like, oh my god. Um, but yeah. Uh, because I, I like them, and my my um my best friend, who's not a big horror fan, likes really likes zombie movies. And my roommate is not the biggest fan of zombie movies, but we're kind of trying to change that. <laughs> yeah, this one this one's different because it it really plays with the uh, easing you into it. Uh-huh. But then but then they do a time jump to go from outbreak to how the world is going. Yeah. And when they get you back into the world after it's become accustomed to like going into the apocalypse, it uh it just it goes from um you know like dramatic horror movie to Mad Max Fury Road. Like it just <laughs> it just it just goes completely over the top. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of chainsaws in this all of a sudden. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Have you seen yeah, they, they had a lot of they had a lot of fun. Have you seen that uh zombie it's like the aftermath of the zombie apocalypse where it's like, where like it's with Ellen page. I don't remember what it's called, but it's where like zombies they've been cured, but they still remember like, or they have to live with what they did. What was that? I'm going to look it up now. Uh, I know what exactly you're talking about. Cause I've seen it and it was good. What yeah, was it called? There was a show on the, uh, on the BBC that yep. was like a, kind of a mini series too that was like that uh yeah uh, no mm-hmm. well well while you go to that since i, I realized the cured, my battery cured. The cured. Yes, yeah. it's awesome so my, my battery is close to gone so i wanted to touch on one more thing before we went you yeah. got the blockbuster board game yeah yeah and I've actually found that, you know, when you just have two people, sometimes the best thing to do is to just, I don't know if you've read the instructions yet, but there's a free round thing where you, you uh-huh. get, you get two teams and you have a buzzer and you okay. basically flip a card and it says, name every movie you can with zombies in it. And right. you have to go back and forth team to team and whichever one messes up first, the other team goes first. So that's one thing you can do. And you just have three people is just go around the room playing that because sure. those are fun of themselves but what the main game has is if i'm remembering correctly it's got three categories on each side of the board and what you get is you get i think one of them is you um you have to say one word that they guess a movie from you have to act out something like charades that they guess the movie from yeah and there's a quote that they have to guess the movie from i think are the three things if i'm not mistaken and what you get is you get a handful of cards and each one has the name of a movie on it. And you have to put those upside down on the ones you think your teammate is going to be able to guess the easiest from you doing these different things. So the other thing that's crazy is then if you're the one that wins, you then get to place three cards on your opponent's side and try to place them in an area that you think it'll be hard. So then you start with you and your teammate going through your three. If you get all three of them, you can start doing the opponent's ones too. Okay. It's a, but I think a way to make that 
work with three people is to just play the two sides of the board with two people and like have a um have a pinch question asker do you know what i mean so it's the person that's getting them right that's getting the points but just keep swapping and and i think if you do that and just keep rotating who the asker is i think you'll have a night full of fun you Mm -hmm. know what i mean sounds great yeah yeah i was so i was so thrilled that because i did not think that's what it was going to be my friend had been teasing this for a long time She's like, I got something, I found something I think you'll like. And I thought it was something like from our childhood. And so when I saw that on the porch at her place, I like screamed, like, oh my God, this is so, the timing of this is just amazing. <laughs> and it, it is a blast. I, uh, we had a friend who's, whose mother was very sick and he's one of the guys I used to work with. And he lives in Keene, New Hampshire, which is actually where they filmed Jumanji. Yeah. All, all yeah I remember that episode. Yeah. You mentioned and, that. Uh, we drove up there. And I had just gotten the game in the mail because I bought it from the last blockbuster, even though you can get it at Target. You know, uh-huh. they, they, they got copies donated to them by the company that made it. So the profit went all to them um, if you bought it from them. So I wanted to support them. So I got mine in the mail and they even stuck the blockbusters price sticker on it like that you would have had on the previously viewed movies. I thought that was really nice. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, um, we brought it and opened it up and it, it was just, it made, it lightened the mood. We had such a good time just playing that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, it, dude, I, I honestly, let's, let's get on, on the chat and get another one of these scheduled as soon as possible. But sure. I, I, I do have to go back to work, but I want to give you yeah. a chance if there's anything else that you like had on your mind that you wanted to get out today before we go and also if you have anything you want to plug or promote or a shout out or whatever now is your time to say it to the world my friend yeah um uh you can follow me on twitter scream forever one nice Uh, also um uh, diva dailies is the podcast that i guest star on i've been on the the episode where we review crossroads and britney spears so basically diva dailies they it it deconstructs divas um, kind of where they were in their career when they made a certain movie and kind of how it like benefited their career, what happened afterwards. We talk about the movie itself and I do the episode with Britney Spears crossroads. We review that dumpster fire. It's oh, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to be on a couple other episodes in June as well so yeah it's a great podcast diva dailies that's awesome man well again i it's it's great to find another horror fan and i gotta get you on just so we can keep gushing about rental i was gonna say for for any like we should dedicate certain episodes to horror you know (laughs) specific horror movies to review that'd be fun that'd be awesome but um yeah like i said i i gotta i gotta get back to the hellish day job but um Leading up to this, it has been an absolute blast chatting with you before this show and during this show. And I want to thank you so much, man. Your, your enthusiasm, I'm, I'm just glad to, glad to find someone else that's as into this stuff as me. Isn't it wonderful when you you know, you know think you're, you're, weird, you're weird at first and you meet other people? It's like, no, I'm not. This is great. <laughs> exactly. And I'd also like to say that, you know, because you, we can't help but say, you know, this is filmed on, recorded on the 18th of May. You informed me before we started that things where you are are just starting to open back up. So I wish nothing but health and safety to you and the people in Minnesota. And I'm looking forward to 
um, the stages of my area, the Boston Mass area, opening back up because uh, we got to get back out there. We got to do it safely. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I've been dedicating a lot of these to the people that are trying to keep us safe because that's all we can do is try. There's no one person that has the answer, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you, Stefan. It's Stefan, right? Not Stefan. I always exactly right. All right, you, you had thank a right first right. Thank you. Yeah, for making it a talkbuster night or day or uh, wherever it is in Minnesota right now. I think it's at like 11 a.m. Something like that. No, it's one, two. It's we're just one hour two. behind you. <laughs> I don't even know, dude, anymore. I, I'm so, but I don't even know what time it is for me. Oh, it's 3:15. Right. Um, and please be kind. Rewind, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon.